Good morning, church. Isn't it a beautiful day? The sun is shining. We're in the Lord's house. And God has given us this privilege to hear this music and the Word. Before I forget, the number one announcement i got to make that's not in the bulletin, no choir practice this Wednesday. Okay? No choir practice. If you come, the Lord did not return, probably. It's just that there was no choir practice, so you weren't left behind, okay? Um, family night is tonight. Uh, you can, it's a Halloween bash. You can come dressed up uh, or come as yourself. I don't think they'll matter one way or the other. I find myself as scary without the mask, so. Um, also, uh, the pledge, if you want a pledge envelope for 2023, Call and ask the church. There's other announcements in in your bulletin you may look at, uh, of course. But there is a charge conference November 6th here at the church. And the church is still needing greeters. And if you'd like to be a greeter, please let Pastor Andy know or uh, the church secretary. And um, still collecting for the Lions Club hearing aids and eyeglasses, and cell phones. So if you have any of those extras laying around you don't use anymore, please bring them. Let's turn our hearts towards the Lord as we worship Him. Good morning and welcome. We are so glad to see each and every one of you and have you join us today for worship. I want to give special thanks to Vic Tomey for filling in. Pastor Andy is ill. And uh, so at the last minute, he was most gracious to say, well, of course, I'll fill in. So we are um, pitch hitting a little bit here today. If you'll stand and join me in the call to worship. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my rock in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We love you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Let us worship God. Please turn in your hymnal to page 110, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
You may be seated. Please join me in the opening prayer printed in your bulletin and on the screens. Merciful God, we come to you for a moment of quiet and our self-made busyness. We come to you for energy and our weariness. We come to you for challenge when we are willing to settle for our own small plans and dreams. We long for the peace of your presence, even as we are afraid of the urgency of your call. Enter, Spirit of God, into each of our lives and enliven us. Enter, Spirit of God, into our community and enable us to love and serve you and all your children. Amen. Will the children join me up front, please? Good morning. So what's happening today at our church? This afternoon, who knows what's going on? We're having a Halloween party. So what's going on tomorrow? Halloween. What does that, what's that mean? What do people usually do on Halloween? Celebrate and trick or treat, yeah. So we wear... Our regular clothes? No. What do we wear? Costumes. So what cost? Are you all going to go trick-or-treating? Anybody here going trick-or-treating? Are you wearing a costume maybe tonight? What costume do you wear? Sky. Okay. Sorry? A league of your own. Okay. You're not no yet. You're still undecided. Okay. Captain America. And what about you? Are you wearing a costume? <gasps> Paw Patrol, my favorite. Lincoln, what are you going to wear? <gasps> We're still deciding, too. Okay. I'm going to wear a costume tonight. I'm going to be a professor. I always wanted to be really smart, so tonight I'm going to pretend. So when you're out trick-or-treating, you might see something that looks like this. And you might have made one of these. Anybody carve a pumpkin at their house? No, not yet? Did you carve one? You might? Sometimes we just draw faces on them. That's easier. When I used to carve them, they never looked quite like what I wanted. And it's not, yeah, to trace it, that would have been a good idea. That would have been a good idea. It's a little harder than what it appears to be. So now I've gotten smart, and I get glass ones. So I don't have to carve anymore. But what, what's wrong with this pumpkin? What's usually going on? There's normally a candle in it. Oh, see, I don't even have to have a candle now. I can just have my own little light. Well... Light is something that is very symbolic or very meaningful for many things. We do light in our pumpkins at Halloween. We put candles and light out at Christmas. But you know who's the most very special light of all? God. Jesus is the light of the world. He lights our path. He lights our heart and allows us to follow God's path. So this Halloween, when you're out trick-or-treating, or if you come to our party tonight, I want you to look for the light. And when you see the light of those jack-o'-lanterns, or maybe people have little lights up around their houses for Halloween, I want you to think of the light that we know that is Jesus. Okay, will you pray with me? Lord, we ask that you fill us with your light and you shine your light so that we know what steps to take in our life.
Be with us, Lord. Keep us safe and help us to love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Be still, my soul. Our Heavenly Father, we praise You and thank You for allowing us to come into Your presence. Your love is too deep for us to grasp. Your mercy too wonderful to comprehend. And yet Your grace is sufficient for all our needs. We praise You for all You've done, all You are doing, and all You will do. We don't only praise You for what You've done, but we praise You for who You are. Holy God. Loving, righteous, just, merciful God. And it's to You we come in the name of Jesus Christ. The name above every name. The author and finisher of our faith. To intercede for one another. We pray for those in our congregation who are suffering chronic illness or disease or infection. Perhaps they are discouraged. Perhaps they are fearful not knowing what the future will hold. I pray that this very moment, Your Holy Spirit will comfort them and give them Your peace. We pray for family members represented uh, in this congregation. Family members who are not here who may have needs. Maybe they have a need of knowing You. And we pray that Your Holy Spirit would work in their hearts. We don't know how to pray very well, Lord, but You've taught us to pray. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now if our usher will come forward for the offering.
Holy God, by the power of Your Spirit, bless and multiply these gifts we bring. Use them to raise up the fallen, to comfort the distressed, to guide the confused, and to strengthen the weak through our gifts and the work and service we offer through them. Let all who are in need know they may experience the presence and power of your whole Spirit active on their behalf and in their lives. Please remain standing for the reading of the Scripture. Our scripture today comes from 1 Chronicles, verses 18 through 24. Then the angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aranu, the Jebusite. So David went up in obedience to the word that Gad had spoken in the name of the Lord. While Arunu was threshing wheat, he turned and saw the angel. His four sons who were with him hid themselves. Then David approached, and when Arunu looked and saw him, he left the threshing floor and went down before David with his face to the ground. David said to him, Let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at full price. Arnu said to David, Take it. Let my lord the king do whatever pleases him. Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give all this. But King David replied to Arna, No, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for what the Lord that is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. So David paid Arno 600 shekels of gold for the site. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
righteousness make your way plain for us to see. Thank you so much, John and, and Jim, for playing. And Joyce, see, today you can't be up here unless your name starts with a J. Jim, Joyce, John, and Joel is my middle name. So I, I think it must be the rule. But thank you so much. Beautiful. And, and thank you so much for your help. It's always easier to preach to people that you already know. And I look out and I know all of you, at least by face is not all by name. So it is a joy to be able to fill in and I would uh, like you to join me for a moment of silent prayer if you would. Prepare our hearts. Amen. I have to admit, I love shortcuts. And um, because why go longer when you can get there directly, right? Of course. So, my wife and I, Pam, were uh, in Marietta, Ohio recently. Beautiful city, by the way. It's the first city founded in the Northwest Territory. It's amazing. So, we were going from Marietta um, into West Virginia, where my mother's buried in Buffalo, which is near Charleston. So, who carries maps anymore? You don't need maps. You got GPSs. You got phones. So put it on the trusty phone. Shortest route. And we went on four-lane interstate. Then we got off on a two-lane nice road for West Virginia. Two-lane. And my wife said, is this, you sure this is the right way? Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this is the best way. This is the best way. And the, lane, the, the road got a little smaller than the said, turn left here, and she says, are you sure that's, oh, yeah, 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 it's right there on the phone. We turned left, and the road was paved and getting a little smaller every mile we went. She says, I don't think this, oh, yeah, that's right, it's the shortest way, this is right. And we went, and the road got narrower and narrower, and less and less people. Then we were only seeing animals, deer and cows, or random cows everywhere, and sometimes a house. 
and we went over a hill and then all of a sudden it became gravel. Now we're on a one-lane gravel road surrounded by trees. I don't know where I am. She's saying, are you sure? Yeah, I think this is right. And we're driving on a gravel road through West Virginia. I don't know where. I don't have a map. I can't read my GPS. I'm on a gravel road in a convertible, which, of course, the top has to be up because there's so much dust flying up. It's like we're in a fog. And I'm praying. I'm praying nobody's coming the other way because I'm going to have to back up to the next county for them to pass. But we finally got to a road, and we finally did get there. And it only added an hour to our trip. That's my shortcut. Shortcuts a lot of times don't work. We live in a shortcut society. You notice young people, everything's a shortcut. They talk in shortcut, text. And i got to learn that now in email. Like BTW means by the way. And for the longest time, I didn't know what LOL meant. And it means laugh out loud. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know it for years. Everything is shortened. We have shortcuts for speaking. We have shortcuts in email. We have shortcuts in text. We have shortcuts in church. You can, you can uh, uh, now that we have internet, now you can watch church from home. We have shortcuts in Walmart. You can go through the checkout. We have shortcuts to the bank. We have all kinds of shortcuts. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. I'm not saying all shortcuts are bad. Who wants to use a ringer washer like my mother used to use and put clothes out on the line? You know, we like that some shortcuts are great. But when it comes to spiritual growth, shortcuts are not really good. Because all spiritual growth comes at a cost and it comes through commitment and it comes through investment. And that's why I want to look at King David because King David... um, He tried to do a shortcut uh, without faith. And this is, and I have to tell you what set this passage up. God told David, I don't want you to count how many people you have. And the reason God did not want David to count the people he had was why? If he counts all the warriors he has, what's he going to do? Wow, we're pretty strong. Maybe he won't trust God as much. But he did anyway, because they were going into battle. He wanted to know, instead of God told him, go into battle, I'll be with you, that wasn't enough. So he counted the people. And God said, you shouldn't have done that. And God gave David three different punishment choices. And the punishment was uh, striking a plague on some of his people. And this broke David's heart. And he was saying, God, why are you punishing them? I'm the one that made the choice. And God said, go make a sacrifice and I'll remove the plague. That's where this passage comes from. So this is the context as as we read the passage. Um, And as I read this, I, I saw some things that at least helped me in my spiritual growth, understanding that there are no shortcuts. And what we learned from David is that spiritual growth involves cost. I know we don't always talk about that, but spiritual growth involves cost, it involves sacrifice. Uh, you know, we live in a society built on ease. Sometimes it's hard to grasp the idea that there's a cost to Christianity. I was just perusing some of the Scripture. L- let me just read some of these Scriptures. There's not a lot. If you want reference for these, I'll be glad to give them to you later. But when I mention these, you'll know what it is. Matthew chapter 7 Verses 13 and 14. You remember this, what Jesus said? Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We would like to believe that everyone's going to heaven. The Scripture doesn't teach that. And that's why God calls us not only to live out our Christian faith, but to share our Christian faith. Because there's a lost world that needs to hear the good news. But, but there's more Scripture than this. Um, in Matthew 16, Matthew 16, verse 24, remember Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, 
He must make his life as convenient as possible. Wait. No, I'm, I'm sorry. That was something else. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life has got to go for it. you got to grab life. Take your opportunities. No, no. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. That sounds like commitment to me. That sounds like commitment. And then I came across this scripture in 1 Corinthians. Do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. What? There's no training in Christianity? Is there? They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He's saying, I, I don't run aimlessly. In other words, there's intentionality to Paul's Christianity because there's intentionality to living out the faith in Scripture. It's not haphazard. Because we don't know what's going to go on in our life or happen does not mean God doesn't know. And so we live in faith with God. But then, what about this Scripture? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are, let us throw off everything that inconveniences us. No, not that's not what it says. Let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. We don't always understand that as a cost of Christianity, that we're called to deny ourselves, that we must be intentionally disciplined, and that we're running a marathon, not a sprint. Very interesting that David said when, and because he was king, Aruna said, here, you want to sacrifice here? I got it. I got everything for you. Just wait. I'll get it set up. I got the, I got the animal. I'll build the fire. I got everything for you. David said, no. No. David, man, you're busy. You don't have time for that anyway. The guy wants to give you a blessing. Just let him do it. But David says, no. I will not sacrifice to God that which cost me nothing. As I look back on my long Christian life, there's two things I see. One is, as long as I've been a Christian, I should be further along in my faith than I am. And secondly, the reason I'm not further along in the faith that I am, that so often in my life, I look for the convenient thing rather than the thing that would cost me something. I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. There's no shortcut for walking with God. Spiritual growth involves cost and spiritual growth requires personal responsibility. Did you know that? It requires personal responsibility. You know who's responsible for your spiritual growth? Pastor Andy! We're responsible for our spiritual growth and God uses people to help us in our spiritual growth. 
but we have to own that responsibility. It's interesting, David took responsibility for his sin. God, I did this. I am sorry. I'm making a sacrifice. I'm not making anybody else do that because innocent people were already suffering because of his sin. But it's easy to blame others. I mean, it's fun sometimes to blame others, right? Because then it removes our responsibility. And we can blame a lot of people for why we don't spiritually grow. The sermon was boring. The class was bad. The sanctuary was hot or whatever. You can go on on. The program's not good and all this stuff. But God calls us to take responsibility for our spiritual growth. And David took responsibility. You remember what um, Paul said in Philippians? Did it ever puzzle you? He says, um, therefore, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Work out your own salvation because who's working in us? Almighty God in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's just, when you really think about it, it's mind-blowing. God is working in us. And so we need to acknowledge that and allow Him to work. And one of the, some of the ways we do that is worshiping and, and, and studying and all kinds of things. There are disciplines in, in the Christian life. There are disciplines of engagement and disciplines of abstinence. When you come to church, that is a discipline of engagement. When you fast, that's a discipline of abstinence. When you give up something at Lent, that is a discipline of abstinence. When you fellowship with people because they are Christians, not because they're necessarily your friends, that's a discipline of engagement. And do those disciplines when we read the Scripture. That's a discipline of engagement. When we stop talking and try to listen to God, that can be a discipline of abstinence or engagement. So what is a spiritual discipline? I, I wish I remembered who said I wish I'd said it. I came across this and I want to reword it too. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And I changed it. Discipline is giving up something you want now for something you want more. That's what discipline is. Giving up something you want now for something you want more. What do you want more? What do you want more? What does it profit a person if we gain the whole world but lose our soul? Jesus said that. What do we want more? And third, we learn from David that spiritual growth, it doesn't center, it centers on the character of God driven by our need. The reason we need spiritual growth is because we need God. And the reason we need God is because we were born into sin. And the reason we are born into sin is because Adam and Eve sinned and brought the, the, the original sin into humanity. And without fellowship with God, growing in our Christian life, we are prone to fall back in the ways that don't please God. It's as automatic as anything. We are prone to that because we are sinners. How's that song go? I'm a sinner saved by what? Grace. We're a sinner saved by grace. And the more we walk with God, the less chance we have of displeasing Him. And the more we don't engage in the disciplines of the Christian faith, the greater chance we have of displeasing Him. Why do we seek God? I have a band on my... I wear this all the time. You can't see it. But it's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers, viewing by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? A sacrifice, something that costs. That's what David said. 
live, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then he says this, this is your spiritual act of worship. When we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, we are worshiping God. This is our spiritual act of worship. What does it cost us to follow God? What does it cost us to come to worship? Is your spiritual worship of God. And then he says this, holy and pleasing is a spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. The good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. James says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. What were the results of David's action? Do you see that? In verse 26, it says, He called on the Lord and God answered him. He called on the Lord and God answered him. I just can't help but wonder if we have as much of the Holy Spirit as we want. And we have as much of God as we want. And it's not God's fault. It's not the church's fault. But it's our lack, and I speak of myself, of due diligence to the disciplines of the Christian faith and living a life uh, that it costs something to live and to follow God. Because when we seek God, big things happen. Joshua sought God and the walls came tumbling down. David threw a small stone. It, it killed Goliath. Jacob wrestled with God. Remember what Jacob said when he was wrestling with God? He had run from God. He was not a nice person. And then God confronted him. He was going to meet his brother. And the angel met him and he wrestled the angel. What did Jacob say? He told the angel, I will not let you go until you bless me. He wrestled with the angel all night because the angel would not bless him. And finally the angel blessed him. I will not let you go until you bless me. That is diligence. Five names. Some of you will know who these are. Nate Saint. Pete Fleming. Ed McCauley. Roger Yodarian. And Jim Elliott. January 8, 1956. They had gone to Ecuador. They and their families. Well, some weren't married, but the, the ones who were married. To, to bring gospel to the, uh, uh, a section of the Alca Indians who had never ever heard the gospel. And they had made some inroads. And these five men had, had come in, uh, flown in. They had a little plane. They flew in. And, and they were all speared to death by one of the tribe members. Killed. And, of course, it was devastating. They'd, uh, it was kind of a setup. They didn't know it. But they got killed. Elizabeth Elliot, the, the wife of Jim Elliot, and she had, I think, two children, or maybe three, and some other family members. Uh, now, this is, I know this is so shocking. They stayed. They stayed in Ecuador. What? Your husband just got killed. Five people got killed. You're crazy. Get your children out of here. Get back to the States. Go be a missionary in France or something, or Belgium. Somewhere nice and safe. That's where I'd want to be a missionary at. No. God had led them there. Elizabeth Elliot stayed. And and over a few months, she met a woman who had left the Aka tribe and that they started learning the language. Then two other women left and made contact and they started learning the custom. And after a couple years, they, the, the, they made contact and they, Elizabeth Elliot and two other people went and they met with the very tribe that had killed their spouses. And to make a long story short, that tribe found Christ. They quit uh, having all these uh, homicidal fights with other tribes. The person who killed her husband became one of the faith leaders of the tribe. Wow! 
How can that happen? Well, I will read Jim Elliott's own words. He wrote in his diary they found after he got killed. Two things. God always gives His best to those who leave the choice with Him. Wherever you are, be all there. And this is the other thing they found written. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us to walk with You and be disciplined Christians who are willing to pay the price to grow and know You and walk with You closely. Help us be the light in the world to bring Christ to the lost, to this community. Help us be faithful. In Christ's name, amen. Now, would you please stand and turn in the hymn book to number 377. It is well with my soul.
receive the benediction and then you are dismissed. May God's mercy, grace, and love be real to you in your mind and heart each day. May you be diligent to walk with Him. Go in peace. Amen.